0: back into what we had been for a number of weeks which was the book of 1st Samuel so we took a bit of a break but we are jumping back into the book of 1st Samuel so that we continue to walk through this book now I know um, it's been a while so some of you may not remember what uh, much of what we last talked about was but if you can remember we last talked about how Saul had been appointed king and how God was providentially working through him, and and as he had appointed him. If you remember, we even saw that, amazingly, Saul had demonstrated some special characteristics, some qualities of what we would say a good leader is. But then, this week, we're going to see where that porcelain starts to crack. We're going to see this is not the man who had defeated the foes, before and even shown them mercy, but rather this was a man who began to trust in himself. There is a clear and evident line here that I think Saul goes from where he's listening primarily to God to listening to himself and to his own understanding. And so we're going to learn today that our good intentions don't cover up our bad actions. And so the title of today's sermon is Good Intentions versus God Intentions. Now, the story goes that a mother told her children to clean the house while she was away. And when she returned, she noticed that the house was remarkably still filthy. But she could faintly smell the aroma of a baked cake as she stepped over the dirty pots and pans. Her children eagerly presented to her a freshly baked cake with smiles on their face. She said, what is this? They replied, it's a cake for you. We made it just for you. She said, thank you. But this is not what I asked you to do. Good intentions do not cover up bad actions. Go with me, if you will, in your pew Bible, if you need to grab it. To 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we're going to start at the 5th verse. 1 Samuel chapter 13, starting at the 5th verse. It says, And the Philistines mustered the fight to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops, like the sand on, and on the seashore and the multitude, they came up and encamped micmash the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Now he waited seven days, the, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offerings here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within a day's appointed and that the Philistines were mustered and mishmash, I said now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and I offered the burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord, your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, Your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel rose and went up from Gilgal. Let's pray. Lord God, it is so easy for us to lean and depend on our own righteousness and our own understanding It is so easy for us to get away from the word of God and rely on intuition, rely on feelings, rely on bad advice. But you have given us this truth that instructs us through eternity past and now. And God, whenever we lean away from this word, we will make a critical error, as we will see today. This Saul did give us understanding and help us know what your intentions are and how to follow them. So in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now, you may initially kind of look at this text and think, what's the big deal here? It's not that big a deal, but actually it really is. But why? Well, previously, Saul had been instructed that he was not supposed to do anything regarding the war until Samuel the prophet came down and made a commission for him. That is, that he actually sent him on his way. And a part of that instruction was that Samuel, the prophet, was going to come down and offer the sacrifices before the Lord so that they would be able to not only engage in war, but to prevail in war. So it was all connected to that obedience. And so with that understanding, it at least makes us pose the question, why didn't Saul just wait? Why is he so eager to go ahead and offer this, this sacrificial offering? Because Saul, like many of us, we don't always remember what God said when we're in the thick of the things that we're dealing with. Now, what's the situation here? Y'all, it's really not that complex in reality. He had been instructed to wait with his people, but I don't think they really understood how hard waiting is sometimes. Specifically, when you know there's a challenge ahead of you, when you know there's a battle or something that you're getting ready to face. And God had given them this instruction in, you know, uh, before they get into the battle. Oh, yeah, waiting will be just easy. It'll be fine. But that's until their enemies started to get narrow in on them. They started to get close in on them and waiting becomes just a little bit harder to do. It's a lot more difficult to be obedient to God's instructions when there's an enemy at your back. And so they were frightened. The Philistines had gathered all around them. They had felt that pressure, and essentially they felt like, we're we're sitting ducks. We're sitting here waiting on Samuel to commission us. He's taking his time. God is going to let us get slaughtered out here. And so Saul says, you know what? I have a plan. We don't need to wait around for Samuel. I'll commission us for battle, and I'll be the one that offers the sacrifice. You know, pressure and stress and anxiety have a way of breaking out the worst in us. We have a way of finding out who we truly are when we feel like there's pressure mounting in our lives, when our backs feel as if they are against the wall. And that what tends to happen is that our judgment becomes clouded. And the lines between what God has said and what we believe to be true ultimately start to get blurred. So in these moments, how do I personally not confuse my good intentions with God's intentions? How do I not confuse my good intentions with what God has spoken in his Word? Well, I think the first step to doing that is to acknowledge your weakness. The first step is to acknowledge your weakness. Remember, the encouragement that we get in the Bible is that God's strength is not made perfect in our strength, but God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. But unfortunately, many of us would rather appear strong than to just admit I'm weak. And that failure to admit our weakness makes us try to rely on our own strength, on our own knowledge, on our own ability, and our own wherewithal. When we try to do that, then we end up making poor decisions. Now listen, this is the thing. The stronger you try to be, the weaker you will end up being. And the more you rely on your strength and your wisdom, the less wise you will ultimately be. When the Israelites were in the wilderness and they were wandering, they get worried when Moses had gone up to the mount. And instead of them being obedient to what God has spoken to them, saying, you worship me and me only, it's the first commandment. They ended up worshiping the idols and the false gods. They even made a golden calf and worshipped it because they thought that their strength was found in themselves and in Moses, but not in God. Look, a lack of self-awareness will take a person with good intentions and cause them to make the worst mistake of their lives. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 Paul issues us this warning and it says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed unless he falls. This is a staunch warning for him. If you think that you stand in your own strength, in your own knowledge, in your own wisdom, and in your own ability, you better take heed unless you fall. I don't know how many times when I worked at the bank that some well-intentioned banker did something they thought would help the customer that ended up costing them their job. I can't count how many times some well-intentioned man thought he was just comforting that woman and ended up losing his entire family. I'm not sure how many times someone was just trying to be friends with someone and that friendship ends up destroying that person's life. How does that happen? It is being unaware of your own weak spots. Every single one of us in this room has weak spots. Every single one of us in this room has blind spots. There are things that we have a propensity to sin because of our sin nature. And that differs person to person to person. And the worst thing that you can do is think that your weak spot is not a weak spot. We as Christians have to admit in this specific area, God, I am weak. And unless you strengthen me there, I will fall. What was Saul's mistake in our text? He forgot that God had not made him king because he was qualified. God made him king so that he could represent the Lord by walking in his ways and leading the people as he was being led by God. But again, you see, stress reveals the true condition of our hearts. When pressed, we tend to make decisions that best help us in the moment rather than listen to the word of God or even make the decision that most honors and glorifies him. So why do things look and feel so right at the time, even when we know they aren't? Because we have not been called, y'all, to be guided by our feelings. We have not been called to even be guided by what we think or feel in our hearts. We have been called to be guided by what God has instructed us In the Word of God, we have been called to be guided by what is right. And so the first thing that we do in order to make better God-intentioned decisions in our lives is to admit our weakness. Then the second thing we need to do is learn how to be patient. We just need to learn how to be patient. Listen, I am a testimony that being patient Is a struggle sometimes. But you know, that lack of patience constantly leads us to more sin. I mean, you all remember what happened with Abraham and Sarah. When they were told they were going to have a child. Now listen, they are spoken to directly by God. You will give birth. And as the things didn't happen the way they thought it would, they got impatient. And as a result of their impatience, they started to doubt that the word of God that he had spoken to them was true. And it led to them sinning. In this case, Saul knew what he was supposed to do in waiting for Samuel, but he was impatient. And he offers to sacrifice himself that only Samuel was supposed to offer. Because he was afraid that God was not going to move according to his timing. But I want you to see what the penalty was of his impatience. It says it right back there in our text. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord. With which he commanded you, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Look at the penalty of what happens when he tried to expedite the process in his life. God's like, the kingdom would have been established for you through you forever. What is he referring to? He's referring not to that physical kingdom, but he's referring to the lineage of Jesus, which David ends up coming and then through his lineage comes the savior of the entire world. He says, if you had just been obedient to me, if you had just been patient, that I would have established your kingdom here forever. But you didn't. And so as a result, his kingdom becomes nothing. I bet Saul probably thought in his head, I really mean well. But you see, meaning well doesn't always end up well. He ends up losing his right to an everlasting throne. Now, some people will look at this and say, well, the main issue here is that he offered the sacrifice. And that's a part of it. But that's not the main issue. This is what the main issue is. He leaned to his own understanding. That that's the issue. Referring back to my time as a banker, I can't tell you how many times people would come in there to apply for some line of credit or some loan to make a bad purchase. And I would try to reason with them why that was wrong. And they did it anyway. You know why? Because they leaned to their own understanding. He deliberately disobeyed the instruction of the Lord. Now, what do we learn from the word of God? Well, we learn something important in Proverbs 3 and 5. We all know it, but I don't know that we know it when we need to know it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. But just in case you didn't catch that, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. First, it says, trust in the Lord. That's the starting point. Inevitably, you can't not lean to your own understanding if at the beginning you don't already trust God. The key to any of this is that you must first trust that God is good and well-meaning and well-intentioned in our lives. That all the things that God brings in the course of my life, even if it feels bad, is not bad if God is the cause of it. I have to trust Him. I have to trust that God knows better than I do. That as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are His thoughts above mine. I would rather place my trust in the God who is already ahead of me in the future When I'm just here in the present, I might as well put all my eggs in his eternal basket. And it goes back to what we talked about last week. If we are going to say that God is good and faithful, then we must believe that he is good and that he is faithful. So we have to first trust him. If the word of God says this, and if you trust that God is good and faithful and true, then you also have to be obedient to what he has spoken in his word. It isn't that you're going to understand every single thing that God has instructed, but we're not called to understand every single thing that God instructed. Look at it. It says, trust in the Lord but then the next thing he says is, do not lean to your own understanding. That means that if you trust God, then your understanding is not your safe space. Because I'm a witness that there are lots of times when if I had leaned to my own understanding, God, how are you going to make this happen? How are you going to work this out? How are you going to do this? I would have made some terrible mistakes because I would have tried to work it out on my own now you say but Brandon how do I work that out in my life because you may be in a position where you are facing several different decisions and options and I want to make sure that in my desire to honor God I'm actually honoring God well first when it tells us to trust in the Lord And don't lean to your own understanding. It never told us to do that alone. Because the Bible also tells us, blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of sinners. Blessed is the one who does not stand, who does not sit, who is not taking counsel from the wicked. Blessed is the one who has godly counsel around them. The Bible says if you have a multitude of Christians around you, that is safety for you. Because there are plenty of times we're going to try to make wrong decisions and we need godly counsel to say, no, I don't think that's the right one. It's me at I may not be seeing clearly on this issue. Your safe space, again, is not your own understanding, but is that you need the mind of Christ to be in you. I need the mind of Christ to be in me. I was recently listening to a sermon by H.P. Charles, and he was actually preaching out of Proverbs 3. And he brought something up that I've never heard before, but it was so poignant. And I want you to hear this. He said that when you see the word lean here, it is the same word that is used for Saul when he killed himself. And the Bible says that he leaned on his own sword. When he leaned on the sword, it killed him. H.B. then said that leaning to our own understanding is essentially spiritual suicide. In the Bible, God tells Noah that there is going to be a rain that falls and that he was going to flood the earth and that he needed to build an ark to survive. And what does Noah do? He builds an ark. Now you say, yeah, well, you know, it took a lot of faith, but I don't know if you realize this. It had never rained before. God had called him to do something For something that had never ever happened before, yet he put his faith and his trust in God. God, it doesn't make sense. I can't rationalize this. It's not according to my own understanding. But if you said it, then I need to do it. Point blank. When Mary is told that she is going to give birth to a child, though she had never been with a man, while she is unsure what this means, she trusts God rather than her own understanding. And let me tell you like this. You will never regret having trusted God and what he has spoken in his word. You will never regret it. You will never regret it. You might feel like an outcast. You might feel like you're not in the in crowd. You might feel like your life isn't as fulfilled as other people. But at the end of your life, I guarantee you will never regret having been obedient to the word of God. But the corollary is also true. You will always regret leaning to your own way and your own understanding. Every one of us has a moment or moments where we look back. If I had just listened, if I had just been obedient, if I had just obeyed the word, if I had just talked this out with somebody, I wouldn't be paying for this decision today. Every one of us has those moments. But you know, that's the beautiful part of that promise out of Proverbs. Because it says, if you at least acknowledge him, it doesn't mean that I'm going to make the right decision every time I can try to make the right decision. But what it's saying is, even when I make the wrong decision, God in his faithfulness, it says, he will make straight your paths. I didn't crooked my path up sometimes. I didn't make the wrong decision sometimes. But God in his grace and in his sovereignty, when I went this way, he strained it out. Proverbs 16 and 25 says, there is a way. Y'all, there's a way that seems right. There's a way that even feels right. But his end is the way to death. Ultimately, Jesus told us that in life, there are two paths that you can be on. One of the paths is broad, and there are a lot of people on it, and it is a relatively easy path to stay on, but then there is another path, and it's narrow, and you're going to get to it, and you're going to realize there's not that many people on this path. And not just that, but this path is laced with struggle and strain and difficulty and persecution. But at the end of that path, he says, is eternal life. So, Brandon, how do I know if I am making the decisions in my life that glorify God? That's ultimately the question we all want to answer, right? And it's simple. The answer is really taken to us from Scripture. He says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that you're going to make the right decision, but it means that as long as you are at least acknowledging God, as long as you are trusting God, even the wrong decision is the right one. If in my desire to honor God, God, this is coming out of my desire to honor you, and I want you to be glorified in this, if I realize that might not have been the right decision. God honors the fact that I took him in consideration before I made it. God doesn't need us to have good intentions. He needs us to have God intentions. In everything we do, we have to consider Him. We have to trust in Him. We have to be led by Him. And He will make those crooked paths in our walk straight. That means even if the decision we make doesn't seem right or doesn't go the way we thought it would go, God is taking those crooked paths and making them straight. And that's beautiful. I don't have to be as worried about making the right decision as long as it comes from a heart that wants to please God. God intentions will always be better than good intentions. And so I can be released from the paralysis of trying to make a decision afraid that I'm going to make the wrong one. Because if I know in my heart that my desire is to honor and glorify God then he will straighten out and fix and correct and use every decision that I make for his glory and even for my good. And that is a faithful God. And so, I don't need you to be so worried about being good intentioned. All you need to be is God intention. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge your own weaknesses. Acknowledge him be patient in the decisions you need to make and trust that he is working those out for his glory and for your good let's pray lord we thank you for the word of god god it is freeing it is freeing knowing that we don't have to have a crystal ball we don't have to try to look into the future all we have to do is know you from the word of god keep you as sinner in our life and proceed every decision from faith god we're not going to make every right decision we're not going to get it perfectly right we're we're going to make mistakes we're going to fall we're going to fall short we're going to go off course we're going to get off the path but your promise to us from scripture is if we just trust in you if we just acknowledge you every crooked part you're making straight god there are some of us in this room right now who are facing weighty and critical decisions and we desperately want to know god which way should i go which path should i take should i go left should i go right should i go straight should i go back and it can feel the, the weight of that decision is, is making us want to make a, a really crucial and critical decision. But God, we must wait on you. We must be patient. God, we will never regret having waited and trusted in you. God, I pray that you surround every single one of us with good counsel believers who we can trust and lean and depend on because, God, we all have weak and blind spots. Lord, there are always times that we want to make certain decisions because it's what seems right. But, God, we have not been called to do what seems right. We have been called to do what is right. God, my prayer is that you will be glorified in us that we will seek you and we will posture ourselves before we do anything to make sure we are good with you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here who has never acknowledged you in their life at all, that this would be the day that through your sovereignty and your providence you will open their eyes That you will unstop their ears so they can hear the gospel knowing that ultimately that throne that Saul gave up would be the throne of David. And through his lineage, through his descendants, would come Jesus Christ who will bear on his back the wrath of God that was due to us. Who satisfied our sin debt. God, every one of us was born here in opposition to you and only you can put us in right relationship with you. So God, it is my prayer if there's anyone here who is listening, anyone who is watching, who doesn't know you that this would be the day that you would open their eyes so they would see the truth. Lord, I just pray as we continue in our lives that you will give us the grace, the trust, the faith that we need To not be good intention, but to be God intention. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen.